Welcome back to the AEC Hive, where we're talking about innovation in architecture, engineering, and construction. I'm Ralph Montague, director at ArcDocs and co-founder of the AEC Hive. I'm joined by my fellow co-founder, John Egan. John, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. This is John Egan, CEO of BIM Launcher and co-founder at AEC Hive. Looking forward to today's discussion. Well, today we're in Finland, and uh, we're very excited to be speaking to Hero Udavi. So I hope I've got that right, Hero. It's um, fantastic to be able to speak to you. You're a BIM coordinator at a company called Create. You're also a founder of Infrapreneur Group. You're also an author of a best-selling book called BIM Kit. So we're very excited to be talking to you and finding out more about what you're doing. Just to get started, would you maybe give us a bit of your background, where you've come from, you know, what you're currently doing at the moment, and then we could start talking a bit more. Sure. Uh, firstly, thank you for inviting me here. It's uh, great to be joining in this podcast. And uh, yeah, a little bit about the background. So I would say the easiest way to explain is that I'm not from the construction industry. Like I maybe four or five years ago, I first got in touch with infrastructure construction. Like before that, it was IT and sales and so on. But then when I started selling this kind of software SaaS product for construction industry and started to learning uh, machine control systems and this BIM and a lot of different things, it was quite fascinating that it it felt like the construction has become more like a video game. It's like you have the virtual one and then you are like building it on the site exactly like in the virtual world. And uh, that really intrigued me, and that was the point where I decided that, hey, I really want to go to, as a main contractor work there and uh, see the world on that side. And really been working on uh, now a little bit over two years in uh, Create uh, as a team coordinator. So basically going to the, our different projects around the Finland and uh, really putting all the effort to get that BIM utilization as far as possible. So different uh, BIM-based tools or uh, work uh, practices and processes and implementing those so we can utilize different new technologies as much as possible on sites. Fantastic. And Create is a is a traditional construction company or a design company, just give us a little bit. So uh, it's a full uh, main contractor for construction only. So we don't design uh, anything. We Then we subcontract for the designer if we have a, that type of a project, but we focus on construction and especially infrastructure construction. So not, uh, not buildings or anything like that, but the roads, tunnels, rails, bridges, foundations. Mm. And um, and just tell us a little bit about Infra Pioneer Group. Like, what what is that about? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, as I told earlier, that my background is from IT and like software development. And along that road, I had been a couple on a couple of different industries before. And when I stumbled on the construction, it uh, <laughs> frankly it just felt uh, really weird that. Um, Every uh, like it's a common culture that people think uh, the simplest practices or simplest utilization or tricks how to make things efficient is the trade secrets and uh, everything is uh, 
super secretive uh, processes that are like the competitive edge. And uh, I find it funny because it's really like, okay, yes, you can save uh, 20,000, 50,000, maybe even some uh, 100,000 uh, on these methods, but those methods are quite simple and everyone can really figure them out. It really is not something that is a secret. Maybe for the couple of the first projects, but after that competition will understand those as well. And uh, that culture of uh, trying to uh, protect something that is not really worth of protecting is uh, why I wanted to start building the Infra Pioneer group. So mainly the Infra Pioneer group is it's like a counterculture for that. It's more focused on that, hey, let's put our brilliant minds together and uh, figure things out much more clear and build together manuals and processes and uh, uh, different utilizations of these uh, new technologies so everyone can benefit from these things because again it's it's uh, like before when I when I was um, tool vendor side it felt really funny that the clients are trying to protect all these small things but then the vendors are telling all these good findings with the competition because again they are selling the product and of course, they want to make sure that everyone can get most value out of their product. So mm -hmm. again, it's a similar similar effect on uh, those. And that's why it's uh, what I have been working, I think now three, maybe more years on Infra Pioneer to really build, build this kind of culture and uh, group that everyone is working and sharing and, well, putting their best minds together and bringing something new for their everyone yeah that's fascinating and uh, i suppose it's a little bit of what we're trying to do in aec hive in 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 creating a community where people can share ideas about better ways of doing things and well, innovation as we call it you know, so because you know like as you say is if everybody thinks their little idea is not is not worth sharing <laughs> then all you've got is your little ideas. But as soon as you begin to bring all these little ideas together and begin to share them, well, then something big happens and everybody can benefit from, you know, sort of big changes that uh, in productivity or efficiency or anything like that, much more than little changes that your small idea might might bring. So it's a, it's a fascinating yeah. thing. Mm. Yeah, I think it's uh, things are really changing fast in especially in the construction industry in that uh, in that way that uh, it's not anymore that every really valuable employee or persons in a business knows a couple of secrets and that's why they are so invaluable but it's more moving towards that the companies who can adopt these new technologies as fast as possible will win the competition. The change is also like a big hassle and big uh, thing is uh, going on in the construction because now it's not anymore the old world that was last 40 years, but now it's more that, hey, how we can uh, uh, better change management and how we can really improve our processes as fast as possible to be competitive. As a main contractor, obviously you're sitting in between a process. There's a, a client that wants some infrastructure They'll go to some designers and they'll come up with some design, yeah. And then it gets to a contractor who then has to implement that design, and then 
it goes on to somebody who's going to manage that infrastructure asset and maintain it for the future. So are you finding it, I don't know in what it's like in Finland, but obviously in, in Ireland where, where we are, there's still a big disconnect between all those different groups. Designers sometimes don't see the, the necessity or need to produce information in BIM because they have traditional ways of doing that. And often the contractors don't have any influence on those early stages to make sure the information is produced in a way that's useful to them. I mean, is that the same idea in Finland, that you have this big disconnect? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, of course, there has been uh, and there still is and in the future there will be this kind of like silo-based thinking that, okay, there's the design phase where there's only designers and then there's the construction phase where there's only construction and then the interface between those different silos don't really communicate so well. So designer thinks he will make a good plans that can be used to build the what he has designed. But then when it goes to the main contractor and looking those uh, designs for them BIM or then just basic uh, CAD drawings that doesn't give uh, the information that we need. And that kind of disconnect uh, is uh, well, it's a big problem and it makes a lot of external issues during the project as well. But I think like what I have been uh, following, like visiting uh, the Central Europe and um, elsewhere, the sites, I think it's like hats off to the Building Smart Finland and Building Smart International for really pushing forward these common standardizations of IFC or then uh, in Finland, we have for infrastructure and earthwork, we have InfraBIM. And these kind of like requirements where there's uh, main contractors, there's designers, there's clients participating on these workshops and um, planning together that, hey, what should be the requirements to order this type of projects? And then building this kind of like uh, uh, manuals for those. It really has uh, helped the effort that now most of the projects that we get usually have all these BIM models. They are maybe 60-70% uh, on good quality. That doesn't require so much uh, refining or editing to have a good quality BIM models. And then we can directly take it to the machine control systems or GNSS equipments or our BIM-based uh, software. So it's uh, it's really has come a long way from there to this day. And I think that's something that uh, in the future it will go more global, this kind of like mindset if the Building Smart Fit, uh, International or someone else is really pushing as well as hard implementing this. Yeah, And I, yeah. that's, that's something like something that uh, like our own governmental uh, agency who is mm. the client of all our highways in uh, Finland uh, has uh, done uh, why why in Finland the BIM adoption and utilization in construction is so huge is only because of uh, the government has come and make mandatory requirements for construction that hey this kind of technologies has to be used and there's a little bit bon bonus if you do this so it has uh, really rapidly changed that uh, now I think uh, maybe 30, 30% of uh, or 30% of budget of infrastructure construction in Finland is done without BIM, but everything else is uh, very heavily BIM based.
That's fascinating. That's a really high percentage. That's one of the interesting things about the Nordic countries have been quite advanced for many years. Maybe it's just because you're so north <laughs> of, <laughs> that people don't hear so much about it because like in, in Finland, in Norway, and um, even Sweden and Denmark, like these, these requirements from government have been quite advanced. Like I think is, is it since 2007, it was almost yeah. mandatory. Um, yeah, it's you know, been quite, quite many years already. Yeah, so that's brilliant, and it's great to hear that that uh, there's such a high percentage of, of the uptake. Another interesting point you made in your introduction was you recognised this uh, relationship between the virtual and the and the physical. Yeah, and like a game, you, you called it yeah. like a video like like a video game, and uh, that that was was interesting and was interesting in your thoughts on how technologies like virtual reality, augmented reality, gaming technologies can support construction? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have been following on the robotics and also the um, IoT technology for a couple of years now. And uh, it's it's something that because the uh, hardware has become so cheap and easy to develop software stop of uh, IoT devices, I think it's uh, there's so much so much opportunities to bring new tools and new like horizontal product markets inside the construction because all this new available and cheap uh, hardware and software that uh, we can utilize on. And that's why like uh, the machine control system is a perfect example on that when we take the virtual and the excavator driver doesn't anymore use any uh, surveyors made markings, but he can just watch his uh, tablet and see how deep he needs to dig, and when it's uh, at the correct uh, uh, cut level, then he knows at the three centimeter crest that, okay, this is uh, where the water management pipe goes, or this is the bottom of the road, or so on. So I think it's uh, this kind of like uh, gamification and uh, bringing the virtual into the site. Uh, Of course, there's a lot of big challenges, but there's also a lot of opportunities. And it's something yeah. like uh, I have been uh, playing around with the uh, augmented reality technology a lot on uh, sites and trying to find uh, good applications uh, for them in our sites, but it's still uh, too visual, so to say. Uh, we are talking about BIM and we are talking about the 3D models and the metadata. The newest uh, startups that come in AAC industry, they are really focused on those things. But I think those things are not the everything that especially for construction needs. There's a lot of information that we are still putting on PDFs and Excels and so on. And then, but the work and the project happens on the site, not in the office. So it, I find it really weird that we are still not there that we can just bring the whole project office to the site with uh, AR classes or some other way to really make this kind of like game-like, so to say. If you think about construction sites, they're also training grounds, if you like, because young people are working on construction sites and they have a a senior or an older person supervising them. And obviously they're doing work, but at the same time, the, the, the more senior person is trying to teach the younger people 
how to do something, you know, and so they're learning on the job, if you like. Obviously, they do some learning outside of the project, but a lot of learning is taking place on the projects, you know, and this interaction between senior people with knowledge and junior people that are trying to get the knowledge and this oversight. Like at the moment, a lot of that interaction is physical. So there's a, a person who's a supervisor, there's the younger person, and they have to be at the same place, and he's teaching them how to, to do something, like lay a pipe or lay a brick or do some carpentry. But of course, like, and that's, so you, it's very difficult to scale that because there's only two people, and they have to be there together. With AR, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, is you could put glasses on the younger person, and the older person could be sitting in an office with... 10 young people with glasses on and interacting with, you know, many people and imparting knowledge and seeing what they're seeing, seeing what they're doing and instructing them without the sort of one-to-one relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Those are are interesting things. And well, just how how far have you, have you guys gone with machine controls? And so like you've spoken about excavating is, is the other things in terms of, Placing rebar, concrete, you know, like how far have you taken the use of machine controls? And I mean, there's still a lot of manual work. Tools have uh, uh, grown a lot and we use uh, different technologies like drones and point, point clouds and machine control systems and then different BIM tools to track the schedule or quantities or the progression of the projects and uh, so on. But uh, I think the big uh, big challenge uh, with all this adoption is that, well, we all know that AEC industry is quite conservative uh, industry in, in a sense that uh, the digital adoption that many industry, industries has faced uh, from 2000 to 2010 hasn't really been so well adopted in construction itself, like even... Mm-hmm. Some people have challenges with uh, even comp- using computers, so it's it's uh, the adoption and trainings are a bit of the challenge, I think, in uh, all of the construction uh, industries because we have very heavily focused on the manual physical labor and maybe with some tools uh, like manual tools uh, that we have used. And now it has changed more of the guided work that we have different technologies that will tell us more information what we need to operate on the site. Mm-hmm. For example, I think the big uh, big change also has been uh, something very simple like uh, GNSS receivers uh, uh, have become so easy to use and uh, utilize that now foramens and even the site managers are using it when they go on the site visits. So it's not anymore just surveyor doing uh, uh, all the markings and going there, but now foramens don't need to wait anyone to get that information that, okay, uh, I know there's a cable line we need to build, but there's also now existing cables. Do I need to, what kind of like work planning do I need to do to get this sold and only thing now he has to do is just pick up the GNSS receiver and go to the site and while he's uh, checking that where every cable is and where the new one is built, then he can uh, on the site uh, tell the workmen on 
who is uh, building it that what they need to do and so on. So it's still like I think uh, the digitalization is taking shape and uh, uh, it's kind of like still a big bottleneck for construction industry. But uh, I think that's something that uh, because we the whole industry comes from very different different experience than any almost any other industry itself. So that's why the adoption is much more slower and a little bit more difficult. Like you make a good point there. Like the devices that are available you know, are not useful on site. So like, you can't walk around with a computer you know, <laughs> on, on site. Like um, you know, you need different types of devices. Uh, like. And you need things that that more people can use. If you think of banking, for instance, most people can use those machines that give you the money from, you know, we call them a hole in the wall in Ireland, <laughs> with the, 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 the ATM, you know, the automatic teller machine. So, you know, that, like if that's a machine, that's a computer, and most people can use it, or most people can use a phone. A smart, like just about everybody nowadays has a smartphone, and most people, not everybody, but most people can know how to use those. And uh, so the devices are just designed to be easier for most people to use. And, uh, and, and maybe there's just not enough thought going into what sort of devices do we need uh, for people on site? What, what do you see as coming in the near future as going to change the relationship on site with information? And especially digital information in terms of devices. That's a that's like, a good what, question. What are you, what are you excited about? <laughs> <laughs> Need to look. <laughs> oh well, what's what's exciting for you at the moment? Like, what are you investigating, or what are you, as a company, what are you say, looking at and saying, yeah, this yeah, is going to be changing. I think what you uh, spoke earlier about the AR and uh, uh, giving guidances through those lenses to the uh, new work uh, on the site. I think that's something that will revolutionize uh, the industry itself uh, in construction if that can be more easier. Because I think there's a lot of like uh, new technologies emerging that we have. Uh, the CAD and uh, BIM based uh, like designing has really moved more parametric or algorithmic based uh, designing with Grasshopper or Dynamo. So we can create content or enrich content very easily. And then the AR technology itself uh, has also a lot of uh, potential in the, like uh, with the sensors of uh, sensors and with uh, artificial intelligence to find and scan the grounds. Like I think uh, Pix4D and I uh, can't remember the another one, a smaller smaller company has this kind of like app for the for the mobile phones that they can just uh, take a, the points you know, out, yeah. videos and then it makes like as build uh, uh, images or 3D models. Mm. It's not accurate, but it's like for visual purposes. And I think Are you sure it's not the iOS. <laughs> yeah. Like iOS have an app that now yeah, does. Yeah. Lighter, uh, technology and yeah, it's been interesting because some, some you've seen glimpses like daiquiri you know the one the helmet with the the AR um, which which eventually I think closed down and go, even the Google Glass project 
didn't go anywhere. Microsoft HoloLens has really struggled you know, to take to gain traction. Um, you, you know, this, it's they seemed quite promising at the time, but they just don't seem to have found a, a real life application. Yeah, um, yeah, and yet, yet, yet. Not, it might still be coming, but it's. True, and I think that's something that I wouldn't keep my breath uh, in, at least for now, for the AR. Like, it's really interesting. There's a lot of potential, but again, uh, the technology isn't yet ready for, like, widespread adoption. Mm. But that's something that, uh, of course, uh, just need to follow up the market that uh, when when someone finds good adoption. but the, like if that's like the the ideal level of uh, new technology that everyone would want, if that would work, then the lower level of less less uh, potential but provide similar similar value would be those lighter technologies with iOS and then the Pix4D scanners and uh, all these things. And I think that's something that uh, is really going really fast in uh, in construction industry that we are finding more ways to bring the information in front of us and then collecting the information in front of us to quantity to quality and uh, to or someone else yeah and that's that's the big change that is uh, at least at the moment uh, is happening but it's still it's still quite uh, sound of crickets that there really hasn't been a good applications for connecting all these uh, details together and provide a solution that fits for the purpose uh, so well. Yeah, and do you think maybe some of that is that the quality of information is still quite low, still quite poor, and so it. You know, like, and you, like you, you mentioned there earlier that there's still a lot of information that's embedded in PDFs and Excel's, and you know, like it's not it's not in a format that can be streamed to sites. It's like a lot of work needs to be done on on a PDF anyway, but even an Excel to to get it to into data, which can be pushed to machines or devices, uh, and there's just no time for that that translation and that you know so you could say that if somebody gives you a pdf it, it's poor quality data it might be very good it might be a very good pdf but the <laughs> only way to you the only way to use a pdf is to open it on a screen and read it with your eyes like it's not it's not from a data point of view it's, it's you know it can't be pushed to the internet or anything like that um, and even if someone gives you an excel it might have very good data in it, but it's in a format that has to be opened on a desktop. But, you know, so some work needs to be done to make it useful. That could be my, that's just my thought that maybe at the moment people aren't thinking about the quality of data. They're more focused on information in its traditional forms. Yeah. Yeah. You brought really good, uh, good argument or good, uh, point. I think that's, uh, the, how to say, like, the, there has been uh, been blockchains, there has been a lot of uh, digital tools and uh, different ways to analyze or collect the data to bring more, to make it more, 
like computer readable and also to make it more processable by computers. But uh, I think it's still like uh, in normal construction project and if we go to the bigger projects, there's one or two persons full time just writing PDFs and Excels and that's their job. And I think that's uh, that's a lot of information and documentation that you need to do. But there really hasn't been at, at least at the moment uh, what I know there really hasn't been like good solutions for that. It has always come back to that it's PDFs and Excels, but then the distribution or access is different. I was going to say, John, this is probably a good point for you to come in because you like that's effectively what you're doing is trying to connect people <laughs> and these processes uh, at at probably what you would say is the lowest level at the moment, which is the sharing of those PDFs across different systems. What do you think yeah, I mean, is, is the challenge <clears throat> of facing the industry um, in terms of getting better data to site? Yeah, I think it all comes back to interoperability and the interoperability of the systems that these various different stakeholders use to access their information. I think that the tools are currently present to create workflow automations between these various different tools. And when, you know, when you look at each of these tools, they have features that are specific to the individual stakeholders that they're actually serving. So, for example, your BIM, your design teams might be working through BIM 360 and your site teams might be using Procore specifically because they're premium features for each different user set. Um, what's what's really interesting for me is obviously um, the integration the integration piece, but I think that what's really interesting from Hiero's point and one thing that I've been, I picked up almost immediately and agree, agreed with you, Ralph, that Finland have had you know a really great track record with pushing digital adoption of BIM in you know, um, within their their nation and then obviously up around the region um, incorporating with neighboring countries and that Scandinavian region, I think that they've always had a really good reputation for digital construction. And, you know, even from the days where I was creating generative algorithms, you know, the guys in Denmark um, and their PhD programs were really setting the bar there. So that was always impressive. So as Hero was describing earlier, they, you know, he works in the infrastructure industry and um, for, for quite a prominent uh, general contractor. And what he mentioned was that, sorry to be talking <laughs> talking about you here, Harold, as if you're not in the room, but uh, I'm, I'm just giving my analysis on the situation, was what he mentioned was that the adoption of BIM has been largely you know, very successful and specifically in the infrastructure industry over the past couple of, you know, I think in the last five to 10 years, let's say. And that was because, or that is because of the adoption of open standards, um, which are, you know, um, generated by Building Smart International and, and the different Building Smart chapters, such as Building Smart UK and Ireland, Building Smart uh, Finland, and the other chapters that are around the globe. 
I think that what it comes what it comes back to is that you know the, those open standards that are developed on behalf of the infrastructure industry. I've been reading recently about the rise of the te- of standardization and interoperability standards in the telecommunications and mining industries and they've followed a, f- a similar pattern where specifically in the telecommunications industries they've developed a framework that enables interoperable software and business processes and this platform has given a common stage or a, you know a common place for all telecommunication providers across the globe that adopt this standard and use this framework um it gives them the tools that they need to be able to innovate on top of these open standards and i know that the infrastructure room is only relatively new in scope of building smart but what i'm really really interested to ask hero here is i suppose there's two questions there what what innovations have you seen as a result of uh standardization of interoperability technologies in infrastructure and do you think that infrastructure is doing anything particularly better due to perhaps the influx of standards compared to architecture engineering construction sectors yeah really good uh, questions uh i would say as uh, the standardization has uh, really much focused on the requirements of beam uh, designing and then uh, requirements of utilization or how to say interoperability close enough <laughs> yeah connectivity that's a nice word yeah that's that's easy one <laughs> so uh, then the standardization focused on uh, that the beam models and the formats that it's uh, built and the structure is fitting for different uh, equipments that is existing but also this standardization has made a really good foundations for the new tools i think the new tools uh, such as uh, infrakit or or triple connect uh, or many other uh, different uh, softwares has allowed them to utilize or read and visualize and then take the documents forward when there has been uh, this kind of standardization how it is structured and what kind of uh, metadata there should be and so on it makes the software developer work much easier and i think that has been why there has been so many startups that uh, has started off with uh, beam visualizations and then uh, accessing that meta metadata to uh, understand the uh designs much more better and then uh, taking it to the different uh, directions from there. Well, I was going to ask why do you think mm-hmm. it is Hero that somewhere along the line so you've got designers who are thinking and producing BIM and then somewhere along the line somebody's bringing it back to a PDF and an Excel spreadsheet. And then when it gets to the the operations it's coming back to BIM. <laughs> like you can't, uh, there's simple answer you cannot rubber stamp the beam model <laughs> <laughs> so no i mean so, so an innovation that that the industry needs is a digital rubber stamp is that what you're saying 
that's the innovation that we're really looking for. But that's, I think that's something uh, the more popular and uh, widespread uh, BIM and the standardization of it gets, the more we are leaving the PDF. Mm-hmm. But again, that transition, who knows how long it will take. It's uh, like uh, between of those two different worlds from at the moment. Can you talk to us a bit about some innovations that you've seen in the infrastructure sector that perhaps are not present in the architecture, engineering, construction sectors? You mentioned infra kit, kit and triple kit. Can you talk specifically about the new features that have come along with those products and perhaps um, some talk about the features belong to new startups that have been built on top of these common interfaces enabled by um, building smart standards? Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest changes or new innovations has been the InfraKit or then the competitor Civil Point Map extension, which is Triple Connect's extension uh, module. And what they really do for us in construction is that if we wouldn't have, let's say that we don't have these kind of tools, how the workflow would go is that the foramens, they look for the uh, PDF uh, documentations and understand how something is built. Then they will go to the site, uh, command the excavator driver to do his job and uh, uh, workmen's to what they need to be doing this day or this week. And they will go and start building. And then when the surveyor has time, he will come to the site to make new markings that, okay, here is the new road. And he also measures the uh, what we have built uh, this far. And then he takes all these materials in his computer, makes uh, as-built images, and then send it to the foreman. So foreman, when the job is done on site, he doesn't know immediately that is it built as the accuracy requirements. So for example, in Finland, our accuracy requirement for the cut layer is that it cannot be any centimeter too shallow, but it can be 10 centimeter deep, deeper than design has planned it. So that's something that with machine control systems, they have been using it and getting onto that accuracy, but still the information, because it's in a format that uh, only surveyors understands and surveyor softwares understands, they really haven't had any knowledge of, okay, how much did we build wrong? Or what is our quality for the site? Do we need something? uh, fix some areas of it before we start building the next layers of different materials. Because again, that's much cheaper than realizing it too late. But again, when we have a tight schedule on our projects, we don't have time for that. So this uh, InfraKit and the map extension has provided this kind of like much closer real-time visibility of uh, at what quality we have uh, been building and also the progression of uh, how far we are right now. So if there's a, there's foreman, of course, knows exactly where we are, but then the office employees who are doing those quality documents and uh, everything else, they might not know so well, but they still need to build their 
other documentation regarding different topics. So I think that's that really has uh, made the big change that we have. Uh, we now have tools that we can have more seamless and real-time understanding of the current state of uh, our projects with the quality measurements, with the location-based documents, uh, with the easier visualization and management of our construction designs in BIM models. And then uh, the Infragit specialty is to, that we can send the models to the machine controls directly. We don't need any third-party tools. We just need uh, that software and then the Infragit Co and picks up all the log points from the machines and uh, portrays them on the map that uh, what is the measurement difference between the target layer, what, what, what we got from the uh, designers and our layer where we build. And what sort of saving in time and, and cost has that enhancement made? Because when you described the first scenario where somebody had to manually translate the PDF information into a set of work instructions, go to somebody, get them to do some work, then send a surveyor out and go measure the work and then come back to the office and try and translate that into some as-built information and then send it off to somebody else to document the progress. And now you've, you've streamlined that. And would you say... Is that if you saved like ten percent of time, or twenty percent, or one hundred percent? I mean, uh, if we if we look something like five years ago, or maybe even longer, but let's say reference point for five years, I think the uh, the project progression time has shortened uh, maybe. 15 to 20 percent in like most projects, not every mm. every project, but the most projects. So mm. it really has come much more faster. And uh, then also, I think that like if we look on the savings, I think the big issue on uh, before BIM-based production in construction was that uh, we couldn't build uh, once and then it was done. It was perfect, and we don't need to revisit because, again, there's so much running costs, so we need to uh, build as fast as possible and go, 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 while we get uh, the results of our quality on the later. Now, when we have more real-time-based uh, uh, practices, we can make sure that what we build is really high quality, and we don't need to visit that place again anymore. Mm. And do you and need fewer people? Like, did you, like, did the previous process use, you know, 100 people, and now you use 80 people or something like that as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, it really depends on the country itself. Like, in Finland, there has always been a very low amount of people per site. Let's say that we have... a 40 million uh, highway road project for us. So we, at the peak time, we maybe have 70 people on the site. And uh, when it's not the summer, then there's something like 30 or 40. So it's really like we never have had a lot of people on the site. And it's the way of building has always been that we over-resource things. So 
if we need uh, two guys, we get one guy. If we need three guys, we get one guy, hopefully two guys. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it has been done. Long hours and uh, long weeks, but uh, that's that's the life of main contractor. <laughs> okay, but you <laughs> like you saved money and you you saved time, and you also said you're not redoing the work, so, uh, so you're saving having to do, do work and then do it again because you did it incorrectly, um, and yeah, and potentially using less people. So it seems like there's a lot, a lot of benefits, you know, which yeah, maybe, even, maybe haven't even been measured. Like maybe nobody sat down and said, well, we've, we've saved this much time, we've saved this many people, we've, we've saved this much cost on not do, redoing it, you know, like doing the work twice or three times even, you know, just do it once. Does your company measure those kind of things? Or? Well, I mean, uh, the risk that never realized uh, how those things are really hard to track or yeah. measure but i mean like because the new digital tools has allowed us to really decrease the risk of our projects like tremendously we have much more control of how we are building how our processes are it's getting more closer to the like more structured uh, construction, like building construction, that has like minimized our risks greatly, which has allowed us to then do things or bid much more cheaper and win more projects. That's so yeah, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely like cost savings, but the measurement is quite difficult. difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fascinating. Look, we, we, we're coming to the hour, but before we go, I wanted to ask you one more question about your book, The BIM Kit. Tell us a little bit about you know, why you produced that book and you know, what's the key message? Yeah, sure. So it's, uh, as, uh, as I earlier or the start of this podcast episode spoke about there, that my work basically is to go to the sites and uh, do the BIM adoption and utilization and train the people. And the BIM kit uh, focuses on uh, the change management part. So how you really can find the steps to make it as smooth adoption as possible. Because again, if you just bring the BIM, uh, BIM based uh, tools uh, on the site and uh, give a one hour training for the site crew that, hey, this is how it works and uh, uh, go with it, it's the adoption don't go there. It's a very you need to tie down the process itself and the practices and the use cases and so on. So it's uh, it's focused really heavily on the change management and the BIM adoption or BIM implementation uh, for your sites. Excellent. So here, uh, John, we, just before we close out, if you, did you have any last questions or comments or? Um, no, uh, no, Ralph, I don't. I just I found the conversation really insightful because from my perspective, I think open standards drive innovation and it's been really interesting to get a deep, uh, you know, a view of the Finnish construction and infrastructure development industries and how, you know, the success of 
their adoption of BIM has driven innovations, you know, digital innovations, physical innovations. And there at the end, it's really, really great to hear about the cost benefits and value that that investment in open standards has had for for um, Hero or Hero, the infrastructure industry and, and the, the wider Scandinavian region, it seems. So, yeah, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Hero for coming on. It's been, as I said, a really great conversation. And I look forward to uh, further communication with you, Hero. Also, I'd like to make you aware of the achive.net um, platform. Uh, it's a great place to talk about new innovations that, that you're working on um, and really engage the community around those. So, yeah, I'll include if you yeah, I'll include the link to the BIM kit for anyone that's listening and wants to read your book and, and more on what you've been talking talking about. And also from my side here, it's like fascinating. It's, it's just so interesting to hear about people who are making these innovations and making these changes in a practical way and, you know, bringing about improvements. Because at the end of the day, that's what innovation is about. It's about bringing improvements in the way we, we do things and, and and the success stories are fascinating. So from your side, is there any last word or words of inspiration or encouragement you want to offer the community uh, before we close the, the call? Uh, thank you, John and uh, Ralph. Uh, no, I would say that's just that it's a long road uh, ahead uh, with the implementation and adoption of uh, BIM and BIM-based tools, but uh, I really encourage the software vendors and people who are building business for BIM to uh, go forward and uh, do as uh, as much as possible, because I think it's emerging technology and there's a lot of uh, low-hanging fruits in every sector of AEC industry right now. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, and we really appreciate it, and we'll love to keep in, in contact with you and uh, keep talking on the AEC Hive platform. So thanks for your time. Definitely. Thank you so much.